0: homes.com we've done your homework
1: hello and welcome to happier a podcast that gives you ideas for how to make your life happier this week we'll talk about the happiness of reviving a dormant friendship and highlight some great yearbook quotations chosen by listeners I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. It always makes me happy to talk to you, Elizabeth.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, you make me happier even when I don't want you to. (laughs) With your happiness bullying. (laughs) Um, And Gretchen, you know what? It's almost September, and you know what that always makes me think of? What? Your book, Happier at Home. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Well, because in Happier at
1: Home, I decided that I was going to do sort of another happiness project type thing where I would spend a school year from September to May, because I feel like in a way, that's the way I think of a year that it's the new year doesn't start in January. It starts in September. Totally. Yeah. And so if if you're a person who's interested in how to be happier at home um, with stuff like possessions, time, relationships, neighborhood. For example, uh, people often sort of think that possessions should play no role in their happiness. You know, they should just get rid of everything and and like stuff isn't important. Um, But I really think that possessions have an important role to play in a happy life. And so there's a whole chapter in Happier at Home where I talk about how to get the most happiness from your possessions, um, you know, real true happiness by managing them and, and, and thinking about them and having a shrine to the things that are important to you and stuff like that.
0: Yes, yeah, so um Gretchen, people should definitely check out this book because it's it's my favorite of all the ones you've written, and not just because it's dedicated to me, <laughs> other reasons too. um
1: well, Elizabeth, we had a uh, a very uh pleasant response from a listener to our episode sixty
0: nine Yes, we did in episode sixty nine we talked about um why it's nice to give a surprise treat to someone. And in response to that, our mom sent us both surprise treats in the mail. Yeah, it was so exciting. We got the we got the package, and I was like, "What? What is this? What is this
1: for?" And it was just a surprise treat. I got this stretchy white shirt. I love white shirts, and I love things that are stretchy. Um, my girls each got a surprise treat. It was wonderful.
0: And I got a gorgeous gray cashmere sweater um, that I can wear like year round in LA. It's exactly the kind of thing I love. So it tells us one mom is listening to the podcast. Thanks mom. (laughs) And she knows us very well. So that was really
1: fun. That was really fun. Now, we have to give her a surprise treat, though she'll know it's coming.
0: (laughs) Yes, we do. Yeah,
1: yeah. So listen, this week, our Try This at Home tip is to revive a dormant friendship.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: Now, one of the things that the research shows is that a key and maybe the key to a happy life is strong relationships with other people. We need friends, we need intimate connections. And, uh, but one of the things when you're, you know, you're really busy, you're racing through your life, um, maybe you don't have as many friends as you'd like to have. And so, how can you, where do you look to find those friends as an adult? And one of the ways, if you'd like to have more friends in your life, is to think back and maybe there's a dormant friendship that you can revive or revisit to bring more friendships into your life now.
0: Yeah, I think especially for a lot of people when they have kids, they just completely drop out of a lot of friendships that aren't directly related to having kids, you know, so you spend time with people who have a kid your own age, but all those friendships kind of slide away um, that you had pre-baby um, or other reasons. But I know for me, that's a big reason. Um and once you get your wits about you a little bit, it's not, it, it'd be <laughs> great to go back and get those, those strong connections. Cause you know, they were there for a reason.
1: Right. Well, and there, I think there's kind of two ways to revive a dormant friendship. One is, like you say, somebody that you were once close to, but for what, whatever reason, circumstances have kind of have um, have pulled you apart. So you, you're, you've fallen out of touch. You haven't seen them in a long time. You, you haven't emailed with them. Um, and so it's like, it's like reviving uh, a friendship that was once strong. But then I think also a lot of us have people... Um, where they were sort of a missed opportunity. They, they, it was a person that had friend potential, but that for some reason at the time when you were around them, you didn't pursue it. And I, I thought of this because I was walking down Lexington Avenue the other day and I ran into a woman that I hadn't seen in years who had had children who went to the same nursery school as my daughters. And she's just the loveliest person. She's so funny. She's so nice. It, was, it made me so happy to say hello to her. And as we were walking away, I'm like, you know, she's kind of one that got away. I mm. bet... Like if I if we had if I'd pursued it a little bit more, I bet she could have been a real friend because I always really, really liked her. And she seemed like she really liked me. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like I can really pursue it now. But it's kind of nice to know uh, that there is there was that possibility or that there is that possibility if I wanted to bring that friendship, uh, if I wanted to revive it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that reminds me of um, at Jack's preschool, there was a mom that I really liked um, when it went in particular. I mean, I liked a lot of them, but just this particular person where I felt like I even talked about it on the podcast. There was a chance for friendship and I didn't pursue it. And if she were here still, I I could perhaps like Facebook her or something, but she actually moved. Out of L.A. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I have taken that sort of, you know, wishing I had befriended her and tried to apply it elsewhere so that I don't make that same mistake. So like another preschool mom I have become friends with who is here, who I really liked because I just realized, hey, let me pursue this and make an effort, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But this happens, scratch a lot in Hollywood, at least in TV and I'm sure in movies as well. Because we are like a project-oriented business. So you spend a ton of time with someone for a period of time, like in the writer's room. I might be with them, people for nine months, say, in the writer's room. And you get so close and you know everything that's going on in their (laughs) life. And you laugh (laughs) and you have the best time. And then the show ends. And if it's canceled, you all go your separate ways. And you might not see the person for five years. And it's like they felt like a real friend, um, but now they're gone. So that to me like is the absolute definition of dormant friendship. Right.
1: Well, so does social media help? Like do you try to connect with these people and stay in touch that way or, or, or not even really?
0: Yeah. You do def- social media definitely helps. And I think one of the first things people do, like when you start a job is like everyone follows each other on Twitter and be friends, each other on Facebook. Uh, but, but it's not the same as like sharing, you know, uh, time and no. so one thing like we try we do try to have like reunion dinners and lunches for shows um and that helps a lot even though it's not a daily thing even if you're just seeing someone once a year mm. at least they they feel active but what we are talking about i think is more intensive than that it's like it's like really re-friend refriending right Right. Well, and I think you
1: make an important point, which is that sometimes you're in a situation like you're in college or you're at a job where kind of circumstances are putting you together in a way that fosters friendship kind of from the outside. But for somebody to turn into a real friend, you kind of have to move it to the private zone where you really are making plans outside of that structure. like. We're going we're gonna to go out to dinner together with our sweethearts, or we're going to go away for the weekend, or we're going to like go to a museum exhibit, or we're going to do something that shows that we're not just circumstantial friends, but that we're actually out of it. And, you know, there's that whole test where people say, like, well, how good a friend? Like, have you ever been to their house? Because it's sort of like, you know, at a certain point now in New York, a lot of times you end up not going to people's apartments that much, you know, certain kinds of relationships. But it's true that there's sort of certain milestones in a real friend. And so you might have somebody where you kind of got through a first of the few gates of friendship. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, let's go back and pass into the into the later gates of friendship. And then we'll really have that feeling of connection.
0: I know that's a big thing on wedding guest lists. Like a lot of people, that's their cutoff. If, yeah. if they yeah. haven't been to each other's houses, they're not invited to the wedding.
1: The thing to remember here is um, one of the things about friendships that's, that we're talking about is that it takes time and energy to have a real friend. And that's hard when everybody's so busy and everything. But the fact is, this really does boost happiness. This is really like one of the most important things you can do to have a happy life. And so if you're thinking about how to spend your your very valuable time, energy, and money, it's it's a good use of time energy and money like whether it's like oh my gosh it's going to be such a hassle to email these three people and like set up a dinner or, Oh my gosh, we're going to have to clean up the house if I invite them over or, Oh, I can't even face like, you know, she's working here. I'm working there. Like, where do we meet in between? I can't even deal with like trying to triangulate the coffee shop that we can both easily reach. Like in New York city, it's also like you're on this subway line. I'm on that subway line. Where do, you know, let's go to union square. Um, Right. Right. But it's really worth it because in the end we do get so much energy and, um, and happiness, um, from feeling like we have like real relationships, real friends.
0: Yeah, Gretchen. I have to say, I actually had this happen to me recently. Uh, my friend Meredith, who I've known since fourth grade, but I I haven't talked to her in a few years. I know Meredith. Yeah, of course you know Meredith. I haven't talked to her in a few years, but she was in New York and she was walking by uh, my old apartment in the Village where she had stayed with me several times. Um, and back in the early nineties, I think it was. And, um, she just called and left a message on my cell phone like, Liz, I'm looking at your apartment and talk, you know, and of course, then she said, call me back. And I haven't called her back, but I <laughs> felt this like that. jolt of like, Oh, I love <laughs> Meredith. She's totally such a great lifelong friend. And it brought everything rushing back. And I could picture her in my apartment. And it was like, it had just happened. So those friendships where. You just know they're there and then something sparks. It's like that is a real happiness boost. Yeah. And I think you're making
1: a good point too. And, and I sort of had a similar situation where like if you're trying, if you're thinking like, oh, I do want to revive a dormant friendship. It doesn't have to be like a big gigantic gesture where like, you, you know, you p- feel like you're really putting yourself out there. You could take a little step like this to just sort of like build toward it. And I had, I had kind of a similar thing cause I was up at Yale and my one of my roommates was a diver and uh, Yale has this bizarre uh, pool which is their diving pool but it's surrounded by bleachers and then around that is the running track and it's all inside like with no natural light it's just weird mm-hmm. and 50s-ish and, and uh, mm-hmm. extremely distinctive and so I was there and I, and I again I like saw it and I was like oh my gosh I'm thinking of my roommate and all of her diving and I took a picture and just emailed and I hadn't talked to her in a long time and I just emailed her and I'm like thinking of you um, and she emailed me back and we, we got back in you know we just had like an email exchange and again it's like you're important to me um it, let's 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 make sure that we keep that going um and then sometimes you're it's the time where you are like the person really it can become a more regular thing somebody you know in, in our cases those people live far away but you know if it's somebody who lives nearby then that can really be kind of a consistent everyday kind of friendship um but you don't have to start big you can start small if that feels easier
0: yeah, so I'm dying to hear if anyone out there thinks of a dormant friendship they want to revive, and if they revive it, like, let us be your inspiration uh, <laughs> and the inciting incident to your revival yeah. of the dormant friendship, and let us um, let us know what happens.
1: Yeah, uh, let us know. Twitter, Facebook, email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com, or as always, go to com slash 79. This is episode 79 for any links, images, info, anything you want related to this episode.
0: Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: So, Alyssa, this week, the happiness hack um, is in response to a listener question because the listener sent us a question and I have the perfect hack answer for him.
0: So the listener uh, question was from Todd. He said, our household receives several items, newspapers, magazines, catalogs that are of interest to most people in the family. They pile up and contribute to clutter because no one wants to throw out something that he or she thinks might be still of interest to another family member. Any suggestions for how to reduce the pile efficiently and still ensure that everyone has a sufficient chance to read the material?
1: So for this listener question, I have a happiness hack solution. I devised it in my own household because we have exactly the same problem. Ooh! So what we do in our house is because we have magazines too that pile up. um, Is that like when I read a magazine and I'm done with it, I put a rip in the bottom of the cover. So you're looking at the magazine and at the bottom, Mm. if I've looked at it and I'm done with it, I rip it kind of up. A couple of inches. And so um, and it's just for me and Jamie. So we don't need an elaborate system. He's got more people that are looking at stuff. But you could have it like at the top, at the side, at the bottom or fold, you know, fold it in half so that it's bent. So that because that way somebody's marked it up like I've read this, but you don't need like I think if it was something like I'm going to mark it with a pen or something. People are like, oh, I don't have a pen, so I don't care. Um, Or whatever. This way you don't have to have anything other than just the magazine. And then when a person's looked at it and sees that everybody else has looked at it, they can throw it away. We also have a thing where if enough time goes by, we just throw things away. Like, if it's been sitting there for two months or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like it comes every week. Like, it's just going out because we're not going to let them stack up so much. Um, the New Yorkers, we keep until we read them, which can sometimes take quite a long time. But this is a really good way because it's, it's wordless. It's totally simple. And then you know when something has, uh, has been used by everyone. So I hope that Todd finds that helpful because in our house, yeah. I have to say, I'm very proud of that hack.
0: Nice one. <laughs> (laughs) okay gretch so now it's time for something fun we're doing another deep dive and it's into yearbook quotations in episode 74 you and i um, had to try this at home for everyone to pick a yearbook quote and we have gotten tons of responses so we're going to share those yeah now a yearbook quotation
1: because um, not everybody not everybody has this is um, in our high school and in many high schools there's a tradition that when you're a senior in your yearbook you can pick qu- a couple quotations for your page so these are you pick a quotation to kind of sum up your life philosophy or you know something that's especially meaningful for you or in elizabeth 's case something that is slightly absurdist mm-hmm. um, but whatever you want to, whatever you want to pick and um And a lot of people said that they didn't have this in their growing up. Like in the UK, they don't have this. Um, But a lot of people sent us what they would pick now, either what they picked then, what their, their, historically what their quotation was, or what they would pick now. And it was fascinating to read these quotations.
0: Yeah. Let's just dive in. Yeah. Here is one that's short and simple from Jennifer. Be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And that's from Ian McLaren.
1: That's a great one. That's a great one. Here's someone who says, Since I was homeschooled and never had an actual yearbook quote, I really enjoyed your challenge to think of your own yearbook quote. Out of the four tendencies, I'm a rebel. And I think my yearbook quote of choice reflects that. It's from Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre. Jane says, I am no bird and no net ensnares me. I am a free being with an independent will. That's from Stephanie.
0: That is a good rebel quote. Yeah. This comes from Kristen. Her quote is, Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. That's from George Bernard Shaw. That's a good one. I like that. That's really interesting.
1: And here's one that came to us by voicemail. Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. My name is Katie and I'm calling from Boise, Idaho, and I love your podcast. And I am just calling to leave you my yearbook message, which I just came across a few months ago, and uh, it's my message for my life now. And it comes from Walt Whitman. And it is very simple, and it's, we were together, I forget the rest. I love it. It just fits so perfectly with my husband, my family, and I'm going to hang it on my wall, and it's just beautiful. We were together, I forget the rest, from Walt Whitman. Again, love you guys. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, you know, it's. It, I was so interested in this quotation that I looked it up. Uh, it's from Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. And it turns out that's kind of a shortened version of it. I love her, her short version of it. And in Walt Whitman's, uh, in the poem, he says, Day by day and night by night we were together. All else has long been forgotten by me. I like both versions.
0: Mm. Yeah, we were together. I forget the rest is very poetic as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both versions work.
0: Um, Gretsch, I love this one. This is from Annie. Um, she says as an aspiring screenwriter, this means a lot to me. It both is reassuring and rings remarkably true. Two qualities I find don't go together too often. <laughs> and Gretch, this is from Ira Glass, famous for This American Life. Um, and he says, nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste, but there is this gap. For the first couple of years you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting, creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have the special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you are just starting out or you are still in this phase, you got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through. Uh, That's
1: it's both true and reassuring. That's very true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, As yes, definitely for my job. I mean, that's one I can take to heart.
1: Uh, Now I love this one that Linda sent in, which is the last two lines of the poem, The World I Live In by Mary Oliver. Only if there are angels in your head will you ever possibly see one. Mm -hmm. And I especially love that because a big quotation that I used, and it was an epigraph uh, for one of my books, was Samuel Johnson, who said, as the Spanish proverb says, he who would bring home the wealth of the Indies must carry the wealth of the Indies with him. So it's this idea that you can't find something that you don't already possess. And so um, I really loved seeing that one from Linda.
0: Gretch, here's one. Uh, Meredith's is from Mary Poppins. Anything can happen if you let it. <laughs> Love that. And then Jenny's is from Flaubert. Be regular and orderly in your life that you may be violent and original in your work. Ooh, that's Ooh. A good, That's a
1: good one. Yeah. Now, I appreciated this one from Christina, um, because she uses a quotation from The Office, which is my all-time favorite television show, which I'm obsessed (laughs) with. And she says, uh, she's a robotics engineer, and she said, when I graduated from Penn, the engineering school displayed a quote for each of us when our name was called at the ceremony. The quote I used was from the finale of The Office. Uh, So here, let's listen. It's it's from the character Andy, played by Ed Helms, and this is what he said.
0: The weird thing is... Now I'm exactly where I want to be. I got my dream job at Cornell. And I'm still just thinking about my old pals. Only now they're the ones I made here. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Love that from Andy at the, in the office.
1: That's a great one.
0: Um, here's, uh, one from Pablo Picasso. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And that's from Amanda. And she says, I actually have the same birthday as Picasso date, not year, of course. And I think that makes me resonate with this quote all the more.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, Emily quotes from uh, Jonathan Safran and Foer book, Everything is Illuminated, which is a fantastic title, by the way. I love it. And it's the quotation, let love write on you, um, which is from a conversation where a character says, you spend so much time writing on love. You should let love write on you for a while. Mm.
0: That's very evocative. That's yes, poetic. Um, Priya's quote comes from Just Kids by Patti Smith, which I just read, uh, Gretch, a couple weeks ago. Fantastic book. Yeah, I love that book. Love that book. She says, Yet occasionally we discover in the folds of an old handkerchief a shell or an insignificant stone that had once embodied our happiest of afternoons. She says... The reason I love this quotation so much is that it has an air of happy nostalgia about it, but also to remind myself that small things in life can be important and memorable and contribute to who I am, even if I don't necessarily realize it or don't look back on it until much later in life. Also, it reminds me that while big events happen, such as career steps and an engagement, etc., that it's important to pause, take stock and keep a perspective on things.
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful line. Uh, And Marie Claire suggested one from Robert Louis Stevenson. And I love Robert Louis Stevenson, so I was excited to see this. Um, And her quotation is, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. Ooh, That's a good reminder. Yeah. And so a lot of people also pick song lyrics, um, which uh, I think is a place where people find a lot of uh, kind of inspiration. And, and, and so they sent in quotations that were lines from songs that were particularly meaningful to them. So here's one more from Letitia. Uh, she picked a line from Good Riddance by Green Day. Quotation is, it's something unpredictable that in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. So let's listen.
0: All right, Gretch. it is time for a listener question. And I want to remind everybody that you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or, easier to remember, 77-HAPPY-336. Yeah, we
1: love getting listener questions by email, by voicemail, however you want to contact us. We love to hear from you.
0: And Gretsch, this week's question comes from Jenny in Utah. And she writes... I am an abstainer who loves chocolate. Every time I hear a woman talk about her chocolate stash, I am secretly envious, smiling face. (laughs) Is there a way for me to have a chocolate stash as an abstainer? Do you have any tips or advice to help me keep the chocolate craving under control while still allowing me to keep it around? I'm a longtime listener and enjoy listening to your podcast weekly while folding laundry or cleaning my kitchen.
1: Okay, so Jenny is invoking the distinction the uh, between abstainers and moderators, which I write about in Better Than Before, um, in The Strategy of Abstaining, and we've talked about it on the podcast, and I'll put a link in, if you go to happiercast.com slash 79, I'll put a link um, to the quiz, like, are you an abstainer or a moderator? But bottom line is abstainers are people who find it easier to have none. They can't have a little bit, so it's easier for them to have none, because they either mm-hmm. have none or a lot. And Jenny says she's an abstainer when it comes to chocolate. She loves chocolate. She's an abstainer. Now, (laughs) you see these people around, and I've seen them around, just like Jenny, who like have a bar of fine chocolate in their desk drawer. And then like every day or every two days, they have one square of fine chocolate. And the fact is, this is not possible for abstainers. You cannot be an abstainer and indulge in moderation. It's Mm -hmm. like to be one is not to be the other. And I get why it looks attractive because you're like, if I could only have a little bit and be satisfied with that, that would be so great. But if you cannot indulge in moderation, abstaining is easier. And it's, it's really like she's saying, can I be an abstainer and yet act like a moderator? And the problem is you can't really. I mean, for moderators, it's bad to try to abstain. They get kind of panicky and rebellious if they think they can never have something. So they do better when they have a little bit. But if Jenny is saying that she's an abstainer with this, I really think in the long run, it's going to be easier for her and make her happier, just like in her relationship with chocolate if she doesn't try to indulge in moderation. Now, one thing you can do in a substandard is you can have a planned exception. So you can say like, well, on Saturday, we're going to go uh, to this area of the city that has this amazing chocolate store. And when I'm there, I'm going to buy three chocolates of the finest chocolates, and I can't wait to go there. And then Saturday comes and she goes and she has the chocolates and it's great. And the thing about a planned exception is you look forward to it with pleasure and you look back on it with pleasure because you've decided what you're going to do. We're grownups. We can make our own rules. We can make exceptions. But what's the problem is if you're like, ooh, that lady can keep a bag of Hershey's Kisses in her desk drawer. Why don't I try keeping a bag of Hershey's Kisses in my desk drawer? Well, she eats a bag over the course of a year, and you're going to eat that bag in a week. Mm-hmm. You know, if, like, <laughs> if that's what's true for you, it you kind of just have to deal with that. And I say that as an abstainer, a hardcore abstainer myself.
0: Yeah. So, uh, sorry. Uh- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not not the response you're probably hoping for, but cling cling to that uh, chocolate shop outing that Gretchen has offered um, and you know uh, just sometimes you're not bringing the sunshine, Gretch, I have to say but but you're not wrong, you're not wrong you're telling you're telling hard truths here. This message
1: is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help.
0: Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed that chore? Mm -hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier.
1: Okay, Elizabeth, it's demerits and gold stars and you are up for the demerits.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Gretchen, my demerit has to do with Goodreads. You know, Goodreads is the site where you sign up, like I'm going to write, I'm going to read X number of books this year and you keep track and you rate them or if you want to review them and share and it's a whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, at the beginning of the year, signed up on Goodreads, which I'd never done before and said I was going to read 75 books, which is obviously more than a book a week, which for me was ambitious, but I love reading. So I'm like, let me inspire myself to read more. Um, and I have just, well, not only have I fallen short on my reading. I mean, desperately fallen short on my reading. I also have not logged my books into Goodreads. So as an obliger, I was thinking this would help me, you know Mm -hmm. um but i guess it hasn't because i've just forgotten that goodreads (laughs) exists and i haven't you know i haven't gone to it and or done anything and now it's like this nagging thing in my mind but i don't want to go back because i'm so far behind in my reading like i never should have picked 75 books that was crazy
1: well, I mean, okay, so you've learned from the demerit, which was that you set a goal that was too ambitious and unrealistic, and so now you feel discouraged. So yes. that was a good lesson to learn. Um a lot I've been surprised since I wrote Better Than Before, a habit that so many people say they want, and I, I did not expect this, is that they want the habit of reading more. So I think you're in good company in that a lot of people love to read and want to read more, but they find it challenging. Um and in fact, if you go to my site or if you email me and say you want it, I have this like one page Habit guide that's like uh, ideas for t- how to read more, how to get more reading done, like the different tricks you can do. Now, Elizabeth, mm. I- I've I've so uh, battered you over the head <laughs> with my <laughs> habit making strategies that you know what I'm going to say. You should use the strategy of monitoring and the strategy of scheduling and the strategy of other people and the strategy of convenience yeah. and the strategy of loophole spotting and the strategy of safeguards. But I know that you know it, and you're just super busy. You don't, you know, it's hard, and uh, y- y- you know. Uh,
0: my issue is it's like once I read the first two pages of a book I'm in and I'll just read any moment I get, but it's that it's opening the book and reading those first two pages. That's the barrier to entry. So I just need to force that. And then, um, and then I'm good. Yes. Um, Also, if I have like three or four books ready to go, I get kind of paralyzed over which Mm. one to read and I Mm. read nothing. So, You know, I should probably just put them in a stack and read the one on top, whatever it is.
1: That's a good idea. See, I read more when I have a backup, like when I've gone to the library and have a whole stack. That kind of gives me this feeling of urgency, so that helps me. But that's good for you to know. It's it's like just arbitrarily pick the next one in the line. But so let me ask you this question. Goodreads, logging in on Goodreads, does that give you a good feeling like, ooh, I'm recording this and I'm getting a gold star? Or does it feel like this is just another task that I have to complete and so it makes reading reading books feel even more onerous because now I have this like record keeping duty. Does it make it easier or harder for you to to do this?
0: I thought it would make it easier. Um, I don't even know if it's, impact. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that I haven't done it.
1: Here's something that I do that maybe would work for you for accountability, but it's also easier, Is uh, but you might find it discouraging, is every week Sunday night on Facebook, I post a picture of all the books that I've read that week, that i finished that week. Sometimes it takes more than a week to read a book. And so it's kind of like a record, and it also gives me that kind of gold star, like, look, I read a book. Um, But it's just taking a picture so I don't have to like go to my computer screen and type in and and that would feel sort of more burdensome to me. So you might think about that, like finding another way of kind of giving yourself that record keeping and that accountability, but in a way that might feel more natural to just the rhythm of your day.
0: Mm, I think it might be a little too pathetic. I'm not sure about (laughs) that. I think that would be a bad thing.
1: (laughs) Well, I definitely have weeks when I've read none. But uh, but yeah, well, yeah, reading more, it makes you happy. So tackle that.
0: Okay, I will try to do that. And I'll report back to you. <laughs> now, what's your gold star?
1: Now, I get a gigantic gold star, I have to give myself uh, for this one right in the middle of my forehead. Because one of the things I really hate more than anything else is to make phone calls. I do not know why, but I really, really, really dislike making phone calls. And I and I don't like making appointments. Um I I don't like making phone calls and making appointments more than I dislike actually going and keeping appointments. It's just this weird thing about my psychology. And I had this – my – Eleanor was back from camp, and Eliza's in New York working on her internship, and they all have all these things that need to happen before school starts, and I have a bunch of stuff that I haven't been doing. And, like, so I just had to make – multiple appointments, doctor's appointments, haircut appointments, this appointment, that appointment, you know, I had to make a phone call in order to make another appointment. You know, it was just like everything I don't like to do. And so I did, I followed my own advice, which is like make a list the night before of everything that you want to get done. And then when you come into work or, you know, for me, when I come to my office, The minute it was like 9 a.m. and I felt like offices were open, I just went down it and like did not even allow myself to have the moment of thinking, I really don't feel like making this call. I was just like – and I had pulled out the phone number so the numbers were right there so I could just go bang, 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 bang. And, of course, in the space of 20 minutes, I made – you know, I did uh, all but one thing on my list. And I felt so amazing and so great. Um, And I'm like, why – why do I psych myself out? Like I if I didn't hadn't learned the hard way that I need to do this, I would have postponed these things for months and months and months. So anyway, I feel like I get a big gold star for that cuz I really <laughs> don't like doing that. Yes. And I did it all.
0: And I think a lot of people share that. I think yeah. many of us dislike having to call and make appointments. It's definitely um just psychologically something that one avoids at all costs. <laughs> Yeah, so the, good for you, Grouch. Yeah, if
1: you can't avoid it, at least try to compress it in the, the smallest amount of time so you get, like, so much done and then you feel, like, that great feeling of
0: smugness. It was like a mini power hour for you. <laughs> exactly. And that's
1: it for this episode of Half Year. Remember to try this at home. Revive a dormant friendship. Let us know... What kind of friendship did you revive? How did you revive it? We really want to hear uh, if this worked for you.
0: Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Connect with us on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and at Elizabeth Craft, or email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: As always, if you like the show, it really, really helps us if you tell a friend, and maybe even if you show them how to listen to a podcast, some people don't know, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you're a person who would like to get the latest episode by email, you can do that by going to happiercast.com slash join, and we will sign you up to get an email every time we have a new episode.
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft.
1: And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward.